It's certainly a future for the brand. It's a great brand and it has some good locations and no doubt it has some good people working for it as well, particularly at lower levels. It demonstrated because of the revenues that they've got that there is um, a potential market for it there. I foresee probably the company um, going into somebody else coming and buying it out uh, and turning it into a viable business with proper cost control, restructured in some way, probably under a new ownership, but that we don't lose the brand completely because it is a great brand. You've scanned the headlines, read the articles, and liked the posts. Now listen to the experts themselves in the Future of Work podcast, presented by allwork.space. Are you ready? Hello, and welcome to the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. I'm Joe Mernier, and today I'm speaking with Jonathan Price, a corporate finance specialist and an expert on financing and valuation for flexible workspaces who's here to talk to us today about the state of the co-working industry and in particular, how the possible collapse of one very well-known workspace company, WeWork, um, might impact the rest of the industry and the future of work. Jonathan is a regular contributor to allwork.space and he's been advising on co-working financing and valuation for over 20 years. He was also responsible for the world's first ever public fund for investment in co-working space. So needless to say, we've got a great guest for our podcast today. So welcome, Jonathan, and thank you for joining us today. That's very kind of you, uh, Joe. Wonderful intro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to our chat. Um, Today, obviously, we're going to be talking a lot about co-working, flexible workspace, and as as it may have formerly been known, serviced office space. Um, But this is a podcast that's dedicated to the future of work. So to kick things off, perhaps you could explain why we're discussing co-working on a podcast that's focused on the future of work and why co-working is such an important part of the future of work. Yes, well, um, this has all been um, triggered or accelerated by the pandemic that we were suffering um, for two years or so uh, because... um, People have got used to working other than in a you know, downtown office and they've got used to working from home or working from places more convenient to home. And um, having had that experience, they don't want to go back to commuting long distances into city centre offices. So uh, the future of work is going to be uh, flexible. There's a little bit of a tussle going on at the moment um, between employers and employees as to where they're actually going to work. But I think the, the die is cast largely and that they're not going to go back into central Uh, city offices five days a week they are going to want to work somewhere which is more convenient to them and uh, the best place for uh, working with full work infrastructure and facilities without actually having to commute into the middle of a city is to work in a co-working space near where you live and um, these are booming as a result and in one of your recent articles for allwork.space, you, you said that the um, co-working sector has been in continuous long-term expansion for more than 40 years, and it looks set to continue. Um, and there are various stats that show all the, the growth that's going on, one of them being JLL's 2021 Global Flex Space report that said that 41% of tenants expect to increase their use of flexible space in a post-pandemic work strategy. Um, however, as we know, there are some companies that make it and some that don't, um, and you have known the industry for many years and you've seen um, some companies that haven't fared so well and of course others that have Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about WeWork but before we get to that could you um, tell us about some of the companies um, in the earlier years of flexible space that haven't fared so well and why? 
Well, um, this is an industry uh, where there are lots of economies of scale. So it does help um, if the operators have a, a number of centers and a number of locations. And consistently, the, the biggest um, company in the field has always been Regis, which is now part of the uh, IWG group. But uh, Regis is the brand name, which is longest lasting, which has been around since 1989. And um, there's always been room in the market for another big player um, alongside or in com competition with uh, Regis. But um, nobody, no company has ever uh, sustainably managed to achieve that status. Uh, there was uh, years ago a, a firm called HQ Global Workplaces, which was formed as a roll-up of other independent centers, but uh, they crashed and burned, uh, unfortunately. Um, and, and even Regis itself um, had one or two problems after the dot-com crash in 2001, in that um, a big chunk of its uh, centers, those in North America, suddenly became unprofitable within a very short space of time and uh, had to be rescued uh, by the UK parent company. So. Um, it is a it is a bit of a cyclical business, um, although perhaps not as much as some commercial landlords would have you believe. But but um, as I say, there is definitely uh, room for um, another competitor to Regis, and we, we we all hope that one will come along. We thought perhaps it would be WeWork, but um, it turns out not to be. So um, the big question is why why isn't it WeWork? What what's happening, and uh, why are things not looking so good for them? Well, um, WeWork was really established on, on a, a foundation which wasn't sensible in the first place. Uh, WeWork was set up in at a time of uh, boom um, where there were billions and billions of uh, dollars available for investment in anything that could uh, claim to be a tech company. And WeWork portrayed itself as a, a tech company and uh, received very large injections of cash from institutional investors, most notably SoftBank. And the money sort of went to their heads a little bit, I think, and, and they did uh, what sometimes happens in situations of essentially hubris, which was they, they thought they could do all sorts of things beyond or over and above providing good workspace. So uh, they, they, they sort of uh, started to have really grand visions of uh, being saviors of the universe and uh, uh, raising the world's consciousness and, and things like that, which, which is uh, not sensible. And um, they ended up wasting a great deal of money on things that were, weren't part of the essential operation of the of the business. So uh, that is, at its most basic, what they did wrong. They didn't focus on the real business and they wasted a lot of money on, on superfluous things. Okay. Um, and so where do they go from here? Is there a future for WeWork or a massive restructure perhaps? What, how, do you see a way out for them? There's certainly a future for the brand. It's a great brand and uh, it, uh, it has some good locations and no doubt it has some good people working for it as well, particularly at lower levels. Um, and it demonstrated because of the revenues that they've got um, that there is um, a, a potential market for it there. Um, so I, I foresee probably the company um, going into uh, Chapter 11 or something like that, and then somebody else coming and buying it out uh, and um, 
turning it into a viable business with proper cost controls. So um, I would hope that the the that it is restructured in some way, probably under in in, in new ownership, um, but that we don't lose the brand completely because it is a great brand. Mm-hmm. And how might such a high profile fallout affect the confidence of the people who use flexible workspace um, and people who invest in it and also the companies that lease the space to flexible workspace operators. How, how do you think this might um, affect their future decisions? Well, um, when um, Regis's US arm got into difficulty uh, 20 years ago, there were a lot of people who didn't like the idea of uh, serviced offices anyway, of co-working space, who were very quick to uh, announce that as the, the beginning of the end for flexible office space. Um, and no doubt there will be some who will try and do the same um, when, uh, if and when WeWork does um, uh, go bankrupt, um, because there are uh, people with vested interests who make, uh, which which make them uh, anti-flexible uh, space, particularly people who are big in conventional real estate, conventional office space. So, so there will be some, and no doubt it will do some damage. It's never it's never good for an industry when a big player goes under. Um, but I think now the industry is much more mature than it was 20 years ago and that it will be able to survive and it will be no more than a, a blip, really. Uh, and if somebody does actually move in and take over the brand and put it on a firmer footing, then it could ultimately be good for the industry. Mm-hmm. A bit of change and a bit of churn is always good. We've seen quite a bit of that over the years. Yes. <laughs> creative <laughs> destruction, uh, Schumpeter called it, creative destruction. <laughs> Um, and who do you think will fill the void? Will it be another big name like IWG? Um, or do you think that they themselves could also be negatively impacted by the association? Well, there might a bit, which would be very unfair on, on their leadership. But there might, there might be temporarily a bit. But um, you see, what you have to understand is that um, uh, these days, it's not just small users or small companies or startups that use these spaces. Even big companies are... Uh, and governments, public authorities are using, are seeing the advantage of flexible working. Now, big corporations uh, who like to enter into big global contracts would really like to see one or two other competitors to IWG. So that when they put a contract out to tender, there's a bit of a competitive process. What they mm-hmm. don't like is having only one supplier. So because there is a, a big gap in the market there and because business abhors a vacuum, um, I, I'm sure that uh, there will be uh, some some effort to uh, grow one of these existing businesses in order to compete internationally uh, with IWG. Mm-hmm. And how do you think the flexible space industry might diversify? Um, you mentioned a moment ago that there are lots of smaller users of the space, uh, independents and small small companies, but also large um, departments, such as government departments, using flexible workspace. Um, do you think there could be any other products that come out of this and a need to diversify um, and, and serve new requirements? Sure. I mean, we've already seen within the industry uh, people providing uh, managed workspace, which is sort of semi-serviced rather than fully serviced. Also, people providing uh, managed industrial space for people who want to workshops on a flexible basis rather than offices. But I see this extending into other things. A big demand uh, at the moment, if we could satisfy it, would be laboratories. There's a, a huge shortage of laboratory space. And so if people could provide some kind of uh, flexible 
laboratory space, there would be a, a huge demand for that. Uh, but there's still lots of lots of growth in offices anyway, and, and things that look like offices. So. Mm-hmm. And um, we've seen for a number of years now that uh, landlords and, and uh, real estate owners themselves have been pushing more into the flexible workspace operation side. So rather than being a hands-off owner, they're actually quite keen to get in there and manage the spaces themselves. Um, do you think we're likely to see more of that, especially now given the uh, highly publicised fallout of, of WeWork? We will. I'm not sure it's got much to do with WeWork, but um, while there were still relatively long leases uh, available, uh, 10 years or, or more than 10 years, uh, landlords were very focused on getting good tenants signed up for those leases. That hasn't really been the case for almost 10 years now and so landlords have finally realized that it's not coming back and therefore they have to offer what the customer wants so um, rather than see uh, the profit from their buildings end up in the hands of uh, co-working operators a number of them have decided to get into this business themselves uh, now there isn't um, there isn't much of a good track record here um, uh, landlords have tended not to make good serviced office operating companies. So uh, the jury is still out as to whether they will succeed. Uh, the signs are better than they were in the past, but um, fundamentally the attitude and the, the work culture and work ethic uh, has always been quite different between uh, a traditional landlord and uh, a serviced office or co-working operating company uh, because um, uh, landlords have always regarded the uh, their their customers as tenants which is a, an old feudal idea which implies a sort of hierarchy whereas uh, serviced office operators have always regarded their customers as customers and so uh, have always been willing to put themselves out to do what the customers wanted whereas landlords were very rarely willing to to do that and it will need that attitude to change in other words the landlords will need to develop new businesses which are customer focused um, if they wish to succeed in competing against IWG and, and the other independent operators. And in terms of the the landlords and just thinking about the impact um, if, if we work was to was to fail or go into bankruptcy or if there's due to be a huge restructure there could be a uh, a huge amount of space that's then being presumably given back to the landlords and the property companies, uh, potentially millions of square feet. Um, th- this could be quite quite bad for the industry, couldn't it? What do you think the impact is of that? Yeah, there is definitely a property angle to this. If 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 we were were just to go bang and collapse completely without a, a, a rescuer, then this could be quite serious in some locations, but this is quite geographically specific. Uh, it's clear that uh, in some places, uh, the office market is under strain. Uh, Manhattan, Manhattan would be an example, and various other cities in the US where people have really been very reluctant to go back and work in the centre of town. Uh, It's not the same in the UK and I suspect it's not the same in other offices. Uh, I was reading a recent report in the Financial Times which was saying that um, a particular uh, operator of flexible space had never been fuller and the difficulty was finding space to uh, for for new clients. So um, the office market is still quite buoyant uh, in London um, but not so um, in New York. So it is is very, very um, uh, geographically specific um, 
I think uh, th there's uh, if if London is running at full speed and New York is uh, still stuck in first gear, the other cities in the world are going to be somewhere in between those two. Um, so there will be tensions in some places, but but not in others. And um, uh, WeWork is a huge landlord uh, or a huge occupier of space in London and a huge occupier in North American cities. Elsewhere in the world, it's not so important. So it, it wouldn't matter so much if it, if it did have to vacate a lot of space. Okay. Um, and again, this might be a question that's uh, very geographical, but do you think, uh, particularly given the um, surge in demand for flexible space uh, post-pandemic, do you think we're uh, facing any sort of overexpansion of the flex space industry or are we still really at the um, at the very beginning of, of, of what's to come? No, nowhere near it. Um, uh, the um, the total amount of space that could end up um, being uh, flexible uh, is a is a question you can speculate about and there's no right or wrong here. I've always had a gut feeling that it's around 25 percent. So 25 percent of all office space could be flexible by essentially co-working or one of the variations of that. Now, where are we today? In central London, which is the most densely flexible office space market in the world, we're still at around 10% maximum. So it could be two and a half times as big as it is here. Nowhere else in the world approaches that in terms of percentage, not even uh, New York City. Um, so uh, if we look at the market as a whole, take the UK as a whole, we're below 5% still um, and we'd roughly the same in North America. So. So, no, there's plenty of space to go. I mean, a, a German uh, academic institute uh, did some research uh, on the use of property by big corporations uh, more than 10 years ago. And they reckon that it should be a donut in which 80% uh, would be permanent space and 20% would be um, flexible space. And they were looking at the world's largest corporations, the, the um, FTSE 100, the S&P 500 type companies. Um, and um, so we're, we're nowhere near that. Um, and the reason we aren't is because the space isn't there for them to deal with um, right. appropriately. Okay. And when you mentioned a moment ago, you think we, we could be looking at 25% um, flexible space. Is that just referring to office space? Um, or does it also include the, um, uh, the laboratories and potentially industrial space no, just, just office space just, just office space, space. Yeah, so we could yeah. be looking at uh, quite a huge portion of the market being taken up with with flexible space in its many forms yeah yeah absolutely because whereas uh, when i started in this business um, in 1999 it was still very odd and you had to explain what it was and people didn't understand and they thought it was very fly by night and now it's matured and uh, people know what it is um, they they may even have an idea how much it costs. They know people who are using it. So it's become mainstream, um, uh, but still it's got quite a long way to go in, in growth terms. That's good to know. Um, and uh, let's talk about technology just for a moment. Um, you yeah. mentioned earlier that we were, sorry, we work classed itself as a, a tech company, um, yeah. which contributed, contributed to its massive valuations. Um, and even though it's been more co-working rather than tech, there's no denying that technology um, is hugely important in, in every workplace now uh, yeah. and it makes remote work possible. Um, so what do you think the role of technology is in flexible workspace? Will it continue to grow? Um, and is there any chance that in future another workspace company might try to classify themselves as tech? 
Yes, it is possible, and there is definitely value in tech. I mean, we can see this with uh, IWG having merged its the tech side of its business with the Instant Group, which was an uh, uh, internet-based uh, space business uh, right from the beginning. That combination could be quite powerful, and I can see uh, other firms uh, going for the same thing because you, you get uh, two bites at the cherry that way, well, at least two anyway. So it's a good thing to do from a business point of view. So, so I can see that... Uh, developing and and technology is going to impact the way we all work in almost every occupation so this is going to be um, no different from any of the others the the only threat at least potentially that might come from technology on the horizon is um is the metaverse or something similar because um if that did take off and if we did start spending a lot of time uh, working time in the metaverse then we wouldn't physically need office space in the same way, even flexible office space. So conceptually, that could be a threat. Um, but I think it's quite a long way into the future. Uh, e even if Apple's new uh, system uh, launched earlier this week is as good as some people uh, think it is, it it's still going to be quite a while before it catches on, I think. So this could potentially be one way that the flexible space industry and potentially the real estate market could diversify. They could be looking to get more into the tech side to um, to fulfill that need and make sure that they don't become obsolete. Yes, yeah, so but the difference between the two is that the traditional real estate industry is hopeless with tech. Uh, it, it's not used to tech, it doesn't employ tech people, it doesn't understand how tech works, um, which is part of the reason why, uh, you know, the future of work exists, because uh, the future of work exists because uh, some people who did understand tech saw uh, that work was going to change. So, um, on the other hand, the co-working industry and the service office industry has always uh, had quite a big tech component to it and has always had to deal with technology issues, whereas landlords could say, oh, you do that yourself. Um, the service office operator always had to do it. And so they've been forced to be more technically aware. And, and, and so they are more, it's more in their bloodstream than it is with the conventional landlords. Mm -hmm. And we are nearing the end of our conversation, but um, just uh, coming back to WeWork for a moment and their current their current troubles, um, what would you say are the warning signs and how might we be able to spot these in the future? Well, I think um, uh, you, you can do it two ways. Uh, if you just uh, had listened to what uh, uh, Adam Newman was saying, and what his wife was saying um, in public forum. Uh, and if you applied a sort of um, the emperor's got new clothes test to that, you, you could tell that, that it, it wasn't really serious. Um, I'm not just saying that in hands, hindsight because um, we've been writing articles um, since I don't know about 2018 saying that it didn't make any sense. So, so um, you can do that. You can have a sort of litmus test like that. If, if you want to be sure, however, you, you need to be able to read the accounts and have a look at the accounts and the balance sheet and, and see uh, how much is being wasted in operating costs compared to what industry peers do. I mean, and you've got uh, IWG is a, a very nice comparator there. You can see what IWG spends and you can see what WeWork were spending and mm -hmm. 
if you, if you can read those financial statements, you can tell. But with their case, I mean, I, I, I took out a subscription uh, to Apple TV in order to watch We Crashed because it was just such a good story. I mean, so it's a ripping yarn um, and um, you know, living through it was it, we, we were just continuously amazed by the things they were doing. Um, yeah. And it, it just wasn't sensible. And now, as you mentioned in one of your earlier articles, we can go back to talking about boring things like office yeah. plants and chairs. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, the important things that people that think that matter and, uh, you know, um, advertising budgets and uh, energy efficiency, you know, all of these things are going to be hugely important in the future. Uh, we should do another podcast at, uh, at one point soon talking about the impact of energy efficiency and ESG on buildings because that, that's another story. Yes, that is a great idea. I think we'll definitely get you back on for that, Jonathan. <laughs> um, might need a bit longer than half an hour, though. <laughs> um, and just to wrap up our conversation today, um, thinking back uh, of what we've talked about, um, what would be your big expectations for the flexible workspace um, this coming year? And should we work indeed face a collapse or a bankruptcy at the end of the year? Will this impact the future of work? Um, I, I'm looking for um, the co-working industry to grow really fast in emerging economies. Um, I'm particularly looking at Latin America at the moment, and I think uh, the scope for growth there is very considerable. Um, uh, and so uh, that I think some attention should be turned in that direction. Um, as to the effect of WeWork collapsing, well, as I say, I, I think it won't actually collapse in a big heap. I hope it won't, and I think it won't. I think it, somebody will come in uh, with a good management team who understand what they're doing from within the industry, not from outside, like the people who had been managing until recently. They're all leaving, like rats leaving a sinking ship at the moment. But, mm -hmm. but. Um, um, they were all from outside the industry. So uh, a, an industry-based team, people who know about the industry, could come in and turn that around if they had the protection of uh, Chapter 11. And um, I hope that's what happens. As I say, Same. it would be a shame, shame to have the brand disappear. Yeah. And let's hope, as you say, the right people can come in and turn it around. Um, and we know that we can find you on allwork.space, writing quite regularly about the flexible space sector. Um, if anybody wanted to get in contact with you with you to talk more about this topic, uh, where can they find you? Are you on LinkedIn? I definitely am on LinkedIn, and that is probably the best place to uh, find me. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to uh, receive any questions or engaging uh, conversation about the industry. It's been a passion of mine for uh, 24 years now. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we'll have you back on soon, Jonathan, to talk about ESG and, uh, <laughs> and energy efficiency. But until then, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome, Joe. Bye. Thank you. If it's impacting the future of work, it's in the Future of Work podcast by allwork.space. Are you ready?